device with your Bible on it. Let's hold it up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, you look like a difference maker. (laughs) Some are going a little further than that. I don't know what that's all about. Today we kick off a brand new series for the month of August. So how many sermons will be in this series? Every one of them, that's right. One in every crowd, isn't there, Brian? Every crowd. The difference maker, everyday actions, eternal impact. I want to tell you about something that happened in my life. If you haven't gotten my book, it's back there on the table. It doesn't cost you a dime, but please get it. And this story is in there, except I'm going to give a little bit more than's in here. Okay? It says in the index it's on page 7, but that's not true. Because my table of contents for this book, somehow it doesn't match what's in the book. On the pages it's in the book. But nevertheless, you'll find it. When I was 14... And growing up, football became a very passionate thing for me, as if you hadn't guessed. And at 62, it still is. Last Thursday was the opening NFL game with, between Dallas and Arizona Cardinals. It's a preseason game. It's the first game when they're all padded up and ready to go. And so I was surfing through the television, and lo and behold, I found that game. I had forgotten that it was on. But I turned it on. And Cindy said, why do you watch that stuff? You know they're not, the, the real players aren't playing. I said, because I can smell it. She said, you can't smell it. I said, oh, I can smell it. You see, when you have a passion for something, you feel it, you smell it, it's all around you. And at 14, I had just gone through the death of my dad. My dad was working on the car and uh, suffered a heart attack. Well, actually, it was a, blank, a blood clot that got into the main artery of his heart, and he died of a heart attack. But it was the blood clot that took him. And I was at football practice. So I came home from football practice, and we didn't have cell phones then. There was a handwritten note on the television from my brother that said, we had to rush Daddy to the hospital. I'll come back to get you. Well, with no cell phones and no way to communicate, I didn't know when that would happen. So I was sitting in my house, house all by myself at 14, wondering about what my dad had happened to him. And my brother came and got me, and we got back to the hospital, and he was retired military, so we went to the base hospital in Shepherd Air Force Base in Wichita Falls. And by the time we got back there and I got back to where my dad was, the doctor had come out and told everyone that he had died. And my mother cried. But I don't think anybody else cried. I didn't really like my dad. I didn't like him at all. We didn't. He didn't like me, and I just didn't like him. <laughs> and he let me know every day he didn't like me. 
And I never told him I didn't like him, but I, in, my th- in my mind and my thoughts I did. But I went over to him, to the body, and, and the doctor said he's gone. I said, can I touch him? She, he said, yes. So I reached over and I, and I did this to his chest. And that's exactly how it sounded. There was no life in him. See, if you poke on your chest right now, you get a little bit of life. There was no life in him. But it left an impression. Not too much longer after that, my brother was dating a girl that played the organ and the piano at church, the piano especially. And he decided that I needed to go to church with him. We'd gone to the Acapella Church of Christ all of our life. So I was raised in a very judgmental environment. You were condemned. If you stubbed your toe, you were condemned. If you made a mistake, you were going to hell. That's how I grew up in church. So I didn't know what to expect with this church where there was a piano and an organ because we didn't do that at the Acapella Church of Christ. In fact, if you did that, you signed your death warrant to hell. That's it. I mean, that's the kind of environment I grew up in. So I didn't know about the grace. I didn't know about all those things. But my, we started going to this church, and lo and behold, a little while later, seeds are being planted. I'm at home one night. All we have is a black and white television. We had three channels. Any of you remember those days? <laughs> I still only watch three or four channels, right? I was turning the channel. By the way, you didn't have a remote. I was the remote. <laughs> hey, Harold, go change that. Because <laughs> I was the youngest, so I got to go change the TV. I was going through, and lo and behold, I got to one of the channels, and guess what was on television? A Billy Graham crusade. I don't know where he was, but I, for some reason, stopped and sat down and watched Billy Graham. Don't remember what he said till he got to the end and at the end of his sermon he said if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior you only have hell to look forward to but if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is your savior then you have heaven to look forward to and he said and trust me you want to go to heaven well, the seeds that have been planted all of my life, even in the old Church of Christ, up till then, boom, came together. Next Sunday, I check on the connection card, interested in becoming a Christian. The problem is, is that's like throwing raw meat to a dog, to a preacher. He's going through the cards, and all of a sudden, the one that's checked, I want to become a Christian, boom, and he's on that. So for the next several weeks, he chased me till he found me. He called my mother and said, how can I get hold of him? She said, Saturday morning, come by at 8 o'clock, and we'll wake him up. Sure enough. Harold, somebody's here to see you. No. No. It's the preacher. So I got up, put my pants on, but no shirt. And I'll show him. I figured it'd scare him, right? Hair's going everywhere. I had a lot of hair back then. It's going everywhere. I go out and I sit and I talk to the preacher. It didn't scare him that I didn't have my shirt on. We visited. 
He talked about salvation. I told him why I was thinking about it. He said, well, what are we going to do about it? I said, well, I guess I need to be baptized. He said, yep. How about Sunday? I said, whoa, we don't do it on Sunday. I said, I don't do it in front of people. I said, that's, that's something I, no, 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 no. no we, I'm not going to do that in front of people. He said, well, how about today? I said, okay, 1030 this morning. 1030, he said, I'll be there. He had me now. So 1030, I drive over to the church. Had my mother actually take me home 14. Drive, we go over to the church. She lets me out. She didn't stay, by the way. How about that? She didn't stay. Actually, let me let me go back and my memory started to kick into gear now. I was. I had a driver's license. I was 16 when I went to the church to be baptized. 14 is when all this was happening. So I'm 16. I'm at the church. I'm in the baptistry. It's 1030 on Saturday morning. He baptized me into Christ. And from the day I rose from that water, my passions began to change. That passion I had for football suddenly became a passion for seeing people come to Christ. He had me preach my first sermon. It was on a Sunday night. Dare, don't put him up on Sunday morning, but let's do it on Sunday night. Seven minutes, man. Seven minutes. It was powerful. All of you are saying, yeah, let's get back to that guy. Where's he at? I got you. I got you. Well, I'm so much smarter now than I was then. Yeah, well, I know. You want me to be dumber. I got it. I got it. But I've never looked back. I always wanted to go play football. I always wanted to, I just thought I'd be doing that for the rest of my life. And praise God, on January 30th, 30th 1970, at 1030 on Saturday morning, I found the Lord. And it's never been the same since. Now, that's my story. You've got a story. But before we go too much further, I want us to read another story. It's right there on your outline or in the Bible that you've got there. In your handout. It's John chapter 9. It's the story of the blind man who's healed. I want you to go there if you have your Bibles, uh, or you can just use the message notes. The goal of this series, the goal of Difference Maker series, Ordinary Actions, Eternal Impact, the goal of the series is to equip you to be a difference maker. If you get through life and you haven't made a difference in someone else's life, shame on you. Shame on you. Now the deal about making a difference in somebody's life is you don't always know it at the time you're making the difference in their life. And if they don't come back and tell you that you made a difference in your life later on in their life, you never know. You never know. When we were driving to Des Moines, Iowa, had never been to Des Moines, Iowa, we were driving to Des Moines, Iowa for Jeff and Misty's wedding. And one of Jeff's groomsmen was a young man. They were in college together. I thought he was a loose cannon. And the girl that he had with him didn't know he was a loose cannon, so I suggested to her that if she was smart, she would end that relationship and move on. She sent me a message on Facebook last week and thanked me for being honest with her on our trip to Des Moines, Iowa. And she says, I have, I'm married to a very godly man and I have two wonderful children and I want to thank you 
for opening my eyes and not making a mistake that I would have made for the rest of my life. Now, I should have never said that. I'd have never known. Sometimes I'm that bold. Sometimes I'm not. But we can make a difference in somebody's life. And that's the, the goal of this. Growing deeper means understanding how you can express your faith to others. How you can become ready to share that faith with others. Let's dig into our, our, our text here in John 9. Pick up at verse 1. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from where? From birth. That's interesting. Because people thought back in Jesus' day, if you were blind from birth, that there was something really bad wrong in your life. If you had that type of sin, whew, you must have really been a bad person. Look at verse 2. Teacher. His disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it the result of his own sins or those of his parents? You see, because many believe that if you hadn't sinned bad, then your parents must have been really bad people. And so God inflicted blindness on this young man because of his parents' sinful lives. Verse 3. It's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, if you're one of the disciples, you're, going, you're doing this, aren't you? What? What? That made no sense at all. Verse 5. But while I am here in the world... I am the light of the world. You see, this guy can't see. But he's about to meet Jesus, who is the light of the world. Verse 6. Something really interesting happens. Then he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva and he smoothed it, that is the mud, over the blind man's eyes. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. But I'm not really interested in somebody spitting in the dirt, making a mud pie, and slapping it on my face. I'm just saying. Now, when I played football, I had plenty of that type of thing happen. Certainly, it was unintentional, I'm sure. The worst was the... Oh, never mind. Why he spit on the ground, I don't have any idea. In fact, most commentators have no idea why he did that. But what's important to notice is the result. The result. Look at verse 7. He told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed. And look what happened. And coming back, what? Seeing. And coming back, seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this the same man, the beggar? Well, I want you to circle that in your Bible. Coming, he came back seeing. It's really important that you see that. They couldn't believe it, the neighbors. Now he could see. He's walking around. He's, I mean, he's been begging all of his entire life, and now he's up and he's about and he's doing his. Whoa! Look at verse 9. Some said he was. Others said no, but he surely looks like him. And. The beggar kept saying, I'm the one, I'm the one. Verse 10, they asked, well, who heard you? What happened? And he told them the story. The man they called Jesus, he made mud, he smoothed it in my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed 
And what, did he, what does he say? And now I... What's your Bible say? Can see. Now I can see. Everybody say that. I can see. Now drop down to verse 24. Because you see the spiritual boys got involved here. The big boys. The robe boys. Carrying my scepter fellas. They get involved. The Pharisees called in the man who had been blind. You see, it wasn't good enough that he was, that he was healed. They had to verify that he was healed. <laughs> yeah. See, I like the government. I love what Ronald Reagan said. He said, the government's not the, he said, the, he said, the government's not the problem. Or, no, how did he, no, he said, <laughs> he said so many things. But he said this one was so profound. He said, hi, he said, this is the worst thing you could ever hear in life. Hi, I'm from the government and we're here to help. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the Pharisees called him in. They told him, give glory to God by telling the truth because we know Jesus is a sinner. After all, they're the Pharisees, right? Verse 25, blind man's talking. Or I should say the former blind man's talking. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I know this. And I want everybody to read the next sentence. Ready? I was blind and now I can see. That's pathetic. Ready to read that together? Here we go. I was blind, and now I can see. See, you can't, you can't say, well, preacher, I don't have it in my Bible. It's on the outline. Open it up. It's right there. Ready together. I was blind, and now I can see. Now, I want you to hold your finger right there for a second. Because the blind man, it appears, in these verses that we skipped, he was asked all kinds of theological questions. How did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus do it? Was Jesus a sinner? Is he this? Is he that? And the blind man said, Look, you can ask me all the stuff you want. I don't know the answer to that stuff, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. That's all you've got to know. I was blind, and now I see. And sometimes we convolute what God needs to do by making it more complex than it needs to be. You were once this way, and now you're not that way. Hallelujah. End of story. Amen? Almost. I'm not through the sermon. So the blind man reminds us you don't have to know everything. Just tell what Jesus did for you. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. Your story matters, and you don't have to know all the answers, because if you tell your story, it will make a difference. Now, let me prove it to you. Look at verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he? Because I would like to. Verse 37. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And what, is it, what does your Bible say he did? Worshipped Jesus. So before you... Turn the page over on your handout. I want to tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story to tell. And I want to teach you today how to tell your story. How telling that in your everyday life can have an eternal impact on those around you. Throughout this series, we're going to give you key principles about being a difference maker. Here's the first uh, first one for today. My testimony, which is your story, 
My testimony is a powerful tool that God will use to lead others to faith in Him. There's the principle. It's right up on the screen. My testimony is a powerful tool that God will use to lead others to faith in Him. Hopefully you've turned the page now and you're up, you're up to, you've caught up with me. The neighbors were surprised in this man's story. Is, he, is this the blind man? What's going on? Tell me all about it. Secondly, the Pharisees, they were a little bit against him. They showed disbelief, even prejudice. Then the blind man showed consistent growing faith. He began to worship Jesus, and from worshiping Jesus, he began to grow. When you share your story, there's going to be all kinds of responses like that. Some will be led to a closer faith in Christ. Others will be astonished that you would even be a Christian. Jesus can even save you. Others will be drawn to Jesus, but I can't tell you what's going to happen or what's going to be done. I just want you to be prepared and ready and willing. To be a difference maker means telling your story and ordinary action with an eternal impact. So, first of all, what's the first thing I want you to teach you today? And that is, I need to confirm my story. Confirm my story. I know that I am following Jesus. Confirm it. If you're going to tell your testimony, if you're going to be used as a difference maker to tell others about Jesus, you have to have a story of your encounter with Jesus. Just like the blind man did. Just like I did in mine. You've got to have a testimony of your encounter. Because without that encounter, you wouldn't be where you are today. In fact, the book of 1 John, there's a powerful verse there. It says, I write these things to you so that you may know you have eternal life. So a lot of people say, well, I'm not really sure. How many of you, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, that you are sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Okay? You need to be sure. You can be sure. Look at this verse again. I write this to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. How many of you then, let me ask this question. How many of you sitting here this morning believe in Jesus Christ? Now let me see the hands. Oh. Then why do you make God a, a, a liar? If you believe in Him, then you ought to trust Him that He's going to take you to heaven. Amen? I'll wait. Okay. If you believe Him, He said, I'm going to take you if you believe me. Believe in Him. Do you believe it? Every hand went up as far as I could tell. But doesn't it take commitment to go along with that? Oh, now we're here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Done gone from preaching to meddling now. Look down in your outline. What's the date of your salvation? My salvation date. When Do you remember? Mine was January 30th, 1970, 10.30 Saturday morning. I got mine like that, drilled into my head. Because that was the day, man, I drew the line in the sand, and I wasn't going back. Have my life been perfect since then? Lord, 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 Lord. I'm so glad you don't know that I haven't been a preacher all my life. Even since I've been a preacher. <laughs> So I'm not guaranteeing you perfection in your life. You'll never sin again. I'm simply saying, do you have a line in the sand that you took a stand for God? 
Any of you know the day? Holler out to me. Vanessa, what's your day? Woo! Leah. I saw another hand. Yes, sir. DA. 7 9. He's a newbie. 7 9 17. That'll work. Yes, sir. What, what's that? He tapered off. What did he say? Oh, that's his birthday. Well, okay. We want you to have a second birthday, by the way. Born once to die twice, or born twice to die once. <laughs> we won't even have another birthday. Yes, ma'am. Isn't that awesome? Now, some of you are saying, I know I was baptized. <laughs> when, I'm not sure. Well, let me ask you this. If you believe in Jesus, like you raise your hand, and you've confessed Christ as your Savior, then how about use today as your day? August 6, 2017. That's my line in the sand. I don't know which one works for you. But that way you've got a day. Amen? You say, I, don't, I can't remember the day I was actually made that decision, but I took a stand on August the 6th, 2017. Because you can do that. Just write down today's date. And when you think about your salvation story, how did you feel when you made the decision? For some, it might have been an intellectual decision. In other words, you were reading books, you were, you were asking a lot of questions, and it just became a intellectual thing. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, he said his heart was strangely warmed when he became a Christian. It's a spiritual feeling that he had when he became a Christian. And for the blind man, his was more of a physical change. He was blind, met Jesus, and now he sees. So what's your story? Where are you at? So we've got to confirm our story. And then secondly, I'm challenging today to complete your story. I want you to be able to write out your story. I want you to practice it. I told you my story. I put it in my book. I consistently tell it, and depending on the audience, you can go a little longer or cut it shorter. But if you'll notice in your, out, in your handout, I've given you a step-by-step -step process on the, uh, on the back, down on the bottom of that uh, page there. Okay? Writing my story. And why would you want to do that? Well, I want you to look at 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 with me. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. So how do I do that? Well, here you go. Everybody got your hand out open? Everybody got your hand out open? Amen? Number one, where, where were you spiritually before receiving Christ? How did that affect you? Number two, what caused you to begin considering God or Jesus as a solution to your needs as a Savior? Number three, what realization did you come to that finally motivated you to receive Christ? Number four, specifically, how did you do that? Number five, how did your life begin to change after you trusted Christ? Number six, what other benefits have you experienced since becoming a Christian? You know, that's what your testimony will become in that, in, in that process, those six items. And then just some things to remember. Be concise, simple in your words. Avoid, as Jeff said earlier, religious God talk, cliches. Be direct and to the point. Two to four minutes is preferable. Three minutes ideal. 
Emphasize aspects of your story that will relate to the person you're talking to. I want you to take that as a challenge. I'm challenging you to do this. And so for your homework assignment, on the top of that handout is my email address, herald at rlccjinx.org. If you would take this homework challenge, I would like for you to take that list, work up your story, and then email it to me. Leah did that the last time I, I challenged you. She was the only one that did that. It's a great testimony. But I want to hear from more of you. It's a homework assignment. Will you take the challenge? I don't know. I'll find out in my, in my inbox this week if you'll take the challenge. And so follow those tips that I've, I've given for you. And uh, it's important. It's truly, truly important. You see, you're putting yourself in the hands of God to use your story to affect eternally somebody that you're talking to. I had a youth minister, or we had a youth minister here one time who asked me why it was so important that I talk about baptism so much. I said, well, when you're in the process of helping someone make their life commitment to Christ, you'll understand at that moment why it's important. But what I've discovered and come to realize more and more all the time is that I can throw you in the water all day long and bring you up out of the water all day long. For some, we need to leave you under there a little longer than most. But if that's the only reason we're doing it and you haven't made a heart change, forget the water. Forget it. Make your heart change for God. In the story of the blind man, um, it's a great story of what he, how he encountered Christ and then the difference in his life since he met Christ. Wayne Herzinga Jr. may not be a name that most of you know. Wayne Herzinga, I, I'm not sure I'm butchering his last name. His dad uh, was a very influential man. His dad uh, founded Waste Management, Blockbuster Video. So he was very wealthy. And Junior wanted to be like him. I mean, he, he became owner of the Miami Dolphins, former owner of the Florida Panthers, and Miami Marlins. If, you're, if you lived in South Florida, you know the name Huzinga a lot. I've got a, his testimony I want you to hear. And uh, so, Jeff, you play that for us. I wanted to be like my father. I wanted to have a nice car like he had private jet to, to fly on when we went on vacation. I wanted to be able to bless people like he did. I wanted to be respected like he was. I saw my father occasionally. He was busy building waste management at the time. His life was uh, filled with hard work, with travel, with trusted people. He had a certain amount of power. It was a life that seemed exciting to me. Incredible amount of disposable income, you know, three 
sports teams and drank and drank in excess. Went to the clubs that you didn't tell your mother that you went to. Commanded an audience. Said whatever came to my mind. Whether it was to you or to your wife. Self-focused. Do what I want. I got a call from a couple friends and they said, hey, Junior, we got a chance to go on a nuclear submarine for three days and cruise from South Carolina to Florida. Do you want to go? I said, done. We're there. We'll take our plane. And I was introduced to Captain Brad Fleetwood McDonald. We became incredible friends. He took me on his submarine, so I started taking him out of my fishing boat, and I began to ask him questions about leadership. I thought, who better than a man that commands 120 gentlemen underneath the ocean for six months at a time? And every time I asked him about leadership, he had his Bible. And he had this incredible peace about him that was unlike any that I'd ever seen in all the people that I had met through Wayne Sr., And I asked him, I said, well, Captain Brad, why are we so different? Junior, he said, you have a hole in your heart. It's consuming everything that you're trying to put in. Everything you do is trying to fill that hole. And the only way you're going to fill that hole is with the relationship with God. I thought, could that be it? Could it be that easy? All these things that I've been chasing, all these places that I'm going, a relationship with God. Well, I went home and I tried to find a church. The pastor gave an incredible sermon and at the end, before he closed, said, do you think that there's a reason that God allows you to be born? Do you think that he has a plan for your life? I felt like he was talking right at me instead of the 4,000 people that were there. I stood up out of my chair like I was launched out by springs, and I can still hear this voice inside of me that said, Junior, sit down. You look so silly. But there was no way. I made my way to the down the road to the aisle and forward to the front of this church that I'd never been to before, and I fell to my knees. to explain to my wife what happened. 
She looked at me and she said, I don't know what happened, but I'm worried. She told me at one point that I'd been abducted by aliens. I didn't know what to tell her. All I knew is that I was indeed a different person. Success for me is that one day when I die and I see Jesus, that he'll look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful son. I've been given such a gift based on the life that I lived, a second chance, a chance to follow Jesus, to go to heaven, to live an eternal life. And I know for certain that I'm going to live in heaven. My father is the kind of individual that keeps his feelings very close, but I wasn't sure that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I got up the courage finally to lean over to my father and ask him, Hey, Dad, have you ever prayed a prayer like that and ask Jesus in your heart? story but guess what your story is just as powerful on the back of your handout I've asked you to uh, accept the challenge to confirm your story to complete your story and email that to me this week and on the back of your notes commit your story commit your story to God say God I'm going to give you my story and I want to ask you to use it use it in my family use it with my friends don't discount your story don't say, well, I don't, have a fly, I don't have a fabulous story like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I remember my children saying to me as they were growing up, Dad, I don't really have a testimony. I, I grew up in church. I said, that's your testimony. Hallelujah that you didn't have to overcome drug addiction and alcoholism. Hallelujah. But why don't you tell your story from how you found Jesus really early and it left such an impact on you that it never you've never looked back you see you've got a story we've all got one in fact in fact uh, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 has become one of my you know I have several life verses any of you pick out life verses here's one for me but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness. Well, yeah, that'd be good for a preacher. No, that's good for anybody. That one's good for anybody. So let me give you three reminders. These are not in your notes. You'll have to write them down. The first reminder is this. Remember, nobody, nobody can argue with it. Nobody can argue with your story, in other words. Nobody can argue with your story. You want to write that down. Reminder number two, your friends are interested in your story. Nobody can argue with it, and your friends are interested in it. And then reminder number three, God will use it every time. 
God will use it every time. Nobody can argue with it. Your friends are interested in it. And God will use it every time. Every time. 1 Timothy 1.16, our memory verse. Uh, Jeff, can we throw that memory verse back up? It'll take him a second to get, get a hold of it. Because I want us to read it again together. Ready? Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. Your life becomes your story becomes an open door tell me a fact I will learn tell me a truth and I will believe tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever so what's your story well I hope this week that you'll take my challenge and I'll get to read some of your stories this week because it's real important that we share those stories let's pray together God, I just pray that those here today will take the challenge that I've shared with them. The three challenges to truly step out and to begin to tell their story. That Father, they will find a way to write that down. They'll find a way to begin to share that frequently to those that would hear them. Because God, as we share that story, you will do exceptionally more than we could ever hope or ask because we were willing to have the courage to share that story. So God, would you do that? And so God, would you use my story? Maybe it's a new story. Or maybe it's an old story. Or maybe it's a rebirthed story. And help that story that I tell begin to make a difference in the lives of others. I want to thank you for making this difference in my life. God, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for what you're doing in our church and what you're doing in these coming weeks. And God, if there's one person here today that says, you know, preacher, I really need to get closer to God. I've strayed away. I want to be able to raise my hand when you say, are you sure you're going to heaven? And I hesitated. I want to be able to confidently raise my hand because I know that I know that I know. Maybe there's somebody here that's struggling with that point in their life. Would, would you give them reassurance? And Maybe they'd want to step out and let others encourage them. Maybe somebody needs to come that never named you as their Savior. This would be a great day. Whatever decision they need to make, whatever needs to happen, would you make it happen, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.